0: Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay, but not just any bay. It's a Baywatch, because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast for two men who have never watched Baywatch before. Try and watch Baywatch. I'm Mike Lisen.
1: And I'm Morgan Thrapp.
0: And let's giddy up on that horsey, and here we go. So, oh, Morgan... Oh,
1: yeah, let's do it. Uh,
0: this episode is a lot of nothing.
1: It sure is. Uh,
0: there's a lot to talk about, but there's nothing to talk about at the same time.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, there are a lot of plot lines, and uh, almost all of them are exactly the same, but with different characters. Mm-hmm. And, uh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so
0: let's just get to it. There's a few things to go uh, talk about before we start the episode. So first, this was written by Terry Irwin, uh, who originally uh, wrote Message in a Bottle, our pirate episode. And it's directed by Scott Brazil, who directed Second Wave, the episode where Eddie meets a blast from his past. And originally this aired (laughs) December 8th, 1989. Now, we have three actors to talk about this time. First, we have our villains. So first, we have Neil Giantoli, who plays Frank. He was previously on a show right before this called China Beach. China Beach is his first acting credit. Now, don't get too excited. It's a Vietnam War show. Uh, But that Vietnam War show led us into Baywatch. Uh, And then we also have Sherman Howard, who plays Dick. Sherman Howard, like many of the guests on this show and even some of our mainstays ended up on Melrose place, but previously he had been on Dallas and Miami vice here and there, but he would go on, uh, in about a year or two to play Lex Luthor on the show. Superboy, Uh, which is very odd.
1: I can totally see that
0: he's, he's got, he's got it going on. Yeah. You can just cut off some of his hair. He's good. Uh, now, the last name is one I'd hope Morgan wasn't going to spoil for himself. Uh,
1: <laughs> but
0: in this episode, we have one of our more famous names. Uh, I think we have A, A, for Baywatch A-tier names, like we have our, our Brian Cranston's. Uh, we have our B-tier, which is our David Spades and our Mariska Hargitay. I'd say this name is also in our B-tier, and that is Jenny Lewis, Lead singer formerly of Ryla Kylie, and then her own solo career, um, which is really odd because what why is Jenny Lewis in this show?
1: Yeah, also half of the postal service, which is I how I know her.
0: Yeah, okay, sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd ever seen her before, so
0: she's not a redhead, so that's why it's very also very weird.
1: I looked this episode up on IMDb because they don't mention her character's name until, um, 45 into a 47 minute episode. Yeah, And I got tired of just referring to her as the girl in my notes. So I looked her up and, uh, yeah, it's Jenny Lewis. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That part's pretty crazy, but those are, those are our actors of the episode. Really? That's, you know, there's not a lot of good trivia about this episode. So I think, perfect time to just get into the meat of it Morgan
1: yeah absolutely let's get into this wild episode which I mean it's actually not that wild it's mostly just wild because nothing happens um no it's wild <laughs> we do start off with a pretty wild storm um that is splashing water everywhere and it's a big old hurricane uh Gina's making breakfast and watching the news about the storm and her and Craig have a discussion about how they're going to go see Craig's mom because Craig's mom is trying to get Craig some clients and Gina doesn't really want to go. She wants to go just like literally anywhere else. And Craig says they can't because his mom keeps a scorecard of how many times they see each family. And if they go see Gina's family instead... He'll never hear the end of it. And Gina's like, well, why don't we just go do something spontaneous? And he says, you want to see something spontaneous? And puts on his coat and leaves. See, this part's really weird because Gina
0: doubts that that is a thing that parents do. And I'm like, do you have parents? Like, doesn't every parent do that? I don't know. Maybe it's just also my parents. I feel like every parent would keep a scorecard of like, why do you only see them and not us? You're together. Uh, But she's baffled by this, but he is also not spontaneous. So she's partially right that, yeah, he's not spontaneous and he should do things, but she's wrong on the fact that it's crazy that his parents would, would do that. I don't know. Did you also think that?
1: It's a little bit weird. Like, I mean, at least as far as I'm aware, my family certainly doesn't do anything like that. And it just, it felt very sitcom-y to me. Like, it felt like, oh, here's the trope of the married people. My life is real life,
0: Morgan. It's not a sitcom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't have good parents. I do, but (laughs) I do, but okay.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was about on par with the rest of this episode, honestly. Yeah, fair. Really, it's just
0: the setup for a storyline that it it gets resolved fairly early on in the episode, so I don't really know why they needed it.
1: Yeah, it kind of goes nowhere. It doesn't really matter to any of the other storylines, so I don't know why they included it. Padding. Yeah. But now we get to what becomes our main storyline for this episode, which is that Storm's coming in, so Garner is evacuating a bunch of folks to get them to a shelter. Um, and he calls Mitch on the radio and Mitch teases him about keeping his feet dry because Garner's going to go under the pier to make sure there's no one under there. Um, turns out there are some people under there and, uh, I have the two criminals down in my notes here as vest guy and cut guy. Um, Mm -hmm. don't learn their names for a while and that's the only distinguishing feature of them. Yep. So. Cut guys like, oh no, Garner recognized us and shoots Garner. You
0: see, I, I like to think that they're actually Mega Man robots or it's 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 <laughs> cut guy, Vest Guy. That makes Garner, the man with also a gun, Mega Man. I'm not comfortable making Garner Mega Man though. Yeah,
1: don't don't love that. No. But I did love Vest Guy's line in this, which is oh no, you had to go and kill a cop. And he puts on this, like, super thick Midwestern accent that we never hear from him again in the episode.
0: The accents are all over the place.
1: It's so weird. Yeah. Um, next up, we go to uh, Mitch's house, where the roof is being redone, and they're partially done, but the guy who I assume is the foreman of the roofer group, is chilling on the couch, uh, eating a sandwich, and watching Spanish soap operas.
0: Telenovelas.
1: Telenovelas, exactly. When Mitch calls and is like, hey, Mr. Dietz, do you think the roof's going to be done? And Mr. Dietz is like, yeah, absolutely. And it pans up to show that, like, fully half of the roof is still gone. Yep. Which is definitely not something you can finish up in a night no i'm not a roofer i am a software developer which is as far from like manual labor as you can get but i'm pretty sure that's more than two hours work yes (laughs) yes it is uh especially in a hurricane right which is what mitch asks about he says are we gonna have a problem because storm's coming in and mr deets is like don't worry there won't be a problem, and I'll call you if there is. And then he looks up, and we see that the roof is missing, and it immediately starts raining on him.
0: And that's a Deets guarantee. But uh, what really happens is that for as as much of the roof that is missing, a fairly small amount of water actually drips through.
1: Yeah, well, I. When we get to the point where they're setting out like three pots to catch a hurricane worth of water, I want to talk more about this. Yes. Next up, we're back in the headquarters and Mitch walks downstairs from the like control tower and sees Captain Thorpe in the mirror doing his best radio announcer voice to a hairbrush, comb, something like that in the Mm -hmm. mirror. And they talk about how Captain Thorpe is auditioning for a radio announcer position, thus setting up. Yet another B-plot in this episode. C-plot, really? Because it doesn't even matter.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's more like an E-plot. It's an Mm -hmm. F-plot for failure.
1: (laughs) It's an R-plot for radio announcer. S for surf. Mm -hmm. Um, (coughs) Mm-hmm. Thorpe walks away, and Craig comes downstairs, and Craig and Mitch decide to go out on patrol to see if anyone's left on the beach. And
0: Mitch mitch has the one of the best lines of this episode here which uh in the they're in the car and craig is talking about his problems and mitch says craig you have a deep-seated psychological need to be in control uh which is <laughs> who wrote this i mean i know who wrote this it's
1: terry irwin but who wrote this <laughs> Yeah, their dialogue while they're driving is so bad. It is. Um, We get a brief intercut scene here where we see that Garner isn't dead. And then Mitch and Craig show up to some bathrooms where they find uh, our two criminals from earlier, Vest Guy and Cut Guy.
0: But more importantly, who else do they also find?
1: They also find Henry.
0: Our favorite... God, this is a bad sentence. Our favorite homeless man, Henry... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Who I think this is his last appearance in the podcast because this was the only other credit I could find of him. Uh, It's very odd that they were conveniently like, wait, do we have a homeless guy? Like they could have just come in to the place and been like, oh, there's two people here still. Okay, Instead, they needed Henry to be like, oh, don't worry, guys, they'll treat you right. And Henry also appears while they're later on in the episode, but doesn't do or say or contribute anything.
1: Yep, this is the last of his lines on the episode. He just stands aimlessly in the background for the rest of it.
0: I feel bad for him. Uh, Okay. Anyways.
1: The the two criminals, um, Cut Guy, doesn't want to go with the lifeguards because he's like, they're going to recognize us. And Vest Guy is like, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. They have no idea who we are, which is true. So Cut Guy, Vest Guy, and Henry all go back to the headquarters with uh, Mitch and Craig.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just, there's so much set up and I, I assure you there's not really going to be a good payoff for all of this. Ooh, no,
1: there is not. Next up, we've got Shawnee, who's heading over to Eddie, Craig and Gina's place for a hurricane party. Gina gives a whole sitcom speech about how, you know, if you're married, you just have to fight once in a while. And it's so funny because you know, you're fighting, but you're not really even mad at each other. You just have to find some reason to fight and then, like, puts on her jacket and leaves.
0: Yeah. This scene, the best parts of the scene are, one, Shawnee wearing the cowboy version of a Canadian tuxedo. Yes. Which is awesome. Two, Eddie, the fucking dweeb that he is, is like, I brought some movies. I brought the Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy. And then he says... Like, I so this is something I debate with people. Some people say Tweety and <laughs> Sylvester, and some people say Sylvester and Tweety. Uh, and I think he says Tweety and Sylvester, and I always say Sylvester and Tweety, and it sounded very wrong. Um,
1: I think I'm on the Sylvester and Tweety train as well. That sounds more natural to me,
0: exactly. Uh, but uh, point is, he's such a geek. And mm-hmm. then Shawnee says, wow, married people are really weird. And Eddie says, well, you're not married and you're really weird. And then she punches him and you're like, mm-hmm. ah, OK, uh, I bet they're going to do more stuff later. And yep. yeah, they do.
1: Their entire plot line is that they flirt a lot throughout yep. this whole episode. Yep. and And literally nothing else. Yeah, Mitch makes it back to base with Craig and Henry and Cut Guy and Vest Guy, and Jill is like, "Is it all okay?" And Mitch is kind of like, "I don't know, it's a hurricane." Um, <laughs> Saul comes up and says, "Hey, Hobie called. You should call him back." So Mitch does, and he finds out about the situation with the roof. And this is where Hobie and Alex, which is the name of Jenny Lewis's character, which again we do not find out until. Uh, about a minute before the episode ends, um, are putting out like soup pots and teacups to catch a hurricane worth of water.
0: Yep. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I think what they are trying to do is there's a tarp. Well, so there's a tarp. Uh, So one, a guy fell and broke his leg. Great. Then there's a tarp. And I guess they're catching the water that drips down through the tarp. Now, more importantly, is that Alex was sent home from school, as was Hobie, and she decided to go to Hobie's place instead of going home.
1: Uh, Why? Mm, No clue. Well, it's so that this episode can have yet another plot line where the only thing that happens is two characters flirt a bunch.
0: Yeah. I mean, it should be called a flirt watch instead of Baywatch. Am <laughs> I right? <laughs> or like Baywatch B-A-E. Am I right? <laughs> oh, no. Okay. That's no. the last pun I will do on this podcast.
1: No, it isn't.
0: Uh, I, I, I'm going to try it. <laughs> well, I want it to be. You're going to make puns and I'm going to be like, ugh, and then I'll make one and I'll hate myself for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the right way to interact with a pun. Mm, yeah. <laughs>
0: Anyways. <laughs> So now Jill is treating the wound of, I guess, cut guy, because now he has a mm-hmm. cut. Uh, and he pretends to be civil. And guess what, Morgan? Guess what? Guess what?
1: What, Michael? He also
0: flirts. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's just creepy.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, that makes, what is it, three plot lines now, where the main thing that happens in them is two characters flirt. Oh, no, actually, four, if you count Craig and Gina. Five, if you count Mitch and Garner. I mean, how can you not, though?
0: Right, exactly.
1: Speaking of Garner, we have a very brief intercut scene here where he wakes up and starts crawling away.
0: Yeah, in the scene, his vision is blurry, his legs are weak, his arms are heavy, but there's no mom spaghetti in sight. Uh,
1: <laughs> I was trying to find some way to make a mom spaghetti joke, but you got there before me. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs>
0: I mean, he got shot, and he's just, yeah. he's doing pretty good for a guy who got shot, I gotta say.
1: It's never clear where he got shot.
0: He got shot somewhere below the heart. That's all we know.
1: Yeah. We think. We never see the wound.
0: Yeah, he's got on a yellow jacket that never gets stained with blood, Mm -hmm. Uh, so I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, famously, blood turns yellow when you get shot, so it just blends into the raincoat.
0: Uh, I mean, it does if this is um, Sin City.
1: Oh, I've never actually seen that.
0: Well, because there's a guy who's all in yellow. And when he gets shot, he's in. Yeah, yeah, you should see it. It's good.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, we'll have to do it as a as a Patreon episode once that's a thing. It's not worth that. It's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: it's worth just watching on the side. It's uh, but it's not worth like Patreon episode, you know.
1: But if you have a podcast and you watch a movie, do you really have a podcast if you don't then record a bonus episode about that movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. Next up, uh, we cut back to the two criminals real quick. They have a brief scene where they're arguing. Invest Guy thinks it's all going to be okay, but Cut Guy says it won't. And uh, yeah, there's a lot That's of it. these kind of short scenes that just don't matter. Yep. Uh, next up is a slightly better scene where Hobie is making rain music by putting out different sized pots and cups. And I like that part. A pretty nice tune. Yeah,
0: you know. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. You know what else I enjoyed? Uh, Hobie's sweater is just such a gift from the nineties. Oh man. I love it.
1: You know, I actually didn't notice it and I'm very surprised in myself. Oh, you didn't notice his giant pink sweater. It's what? very pink. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that.
0: It's just giant two-tone pink and gray sweater with like this black bar in the middle. And then Alex is also wearing this sweater that I can best describe as a Morgan Thrap classic.
1: Ooh. All right.
0: It's also a sweater I want. It's very much like this like... um off christmas it's not christmas okay but it's you know like off christmas
1: you know what i mean yeah totally it's a it's a like november through january sweater
0: yes if it, it's a very much a 90s elementary school student sweater which is your type
1: yeah i mean you're not you're <laughs> wrong if we're being honest here <laughs> yeah no but
0: unfortunately this scene is uh, you know, it's, 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 it's cute, but there's a lot of sexual tension, uh, for elementary school students or high school. They're about to get it to high school, middle school students, sorry, they're middle school students, um, uh, about to go to high school cause he's like 13. Um, and part of the scene I wanted to ask you about, cause I found it very weird, which is Hobie, uh, says. Like, oh, okay, I'll go. I'll go check the windows. And she says, "I'll go into the kitchen. I'll make a cup of coffee," and it felt very much like they were pantomiming a married couple. Did you get that? A
1: hundred percent. Okay. Hundred percent. Good. Good. Yeah.
0: It was very weird.
1: It reminded me a lot of the like Calvin and Hobbes strips when him and Susie would play house. Yeah, I kind of felt like that. It also
0: made me feel like, and I know you're not going to relate to this in any way whatsoever. Uh, it. it It reminded me of Nier Automata, the video game in which robots try to struggle to figure out what it means to be human by pantomiming the acts of humans like, you know, eating other robots or making baby carriages, murdering
1: and fucking. I did play through most of the tutorial of that game. So. You,
0: you saw nothing of the game. <laughs> if you played through. there's there's five endings to it that are canon that you have to play through all five to actually understand the game. And most people stopped after the first ending and were like, well, that was a short game. Yeah, because it tells you there's more and you have to keep playing because the gameplay changes and so there's more story. It's really good. I will recommend that game for the end of time. But it uh, doesn't really have that much to do with Baywatch other than the pantomiming of human.
1: No, not so much. Yeah, next up, we've got a scene that is shot very suspensefully. And I think this was actually my favorite sequence of the episode, just the beginning of this sequence, where mm-hmm. it's shot first person. It's shot with like some dramatic music underneath it. And it's a like slow creep into the locker room where Craig is showering obliviously and like he turns around and looks at one point and the camera ducks behind an open locker. And like, you're very much supposed to think this is either cut guy or vest guy from earlier. Uh, but it turns out it's actually Gina and she like whips him with a towel and then they flirt a bit and Craig apologizes for something i wasn't really clear what even he for not being spontaneous enough i guess yep um and then they make out
0: i mean it's it's kind of cute i guess
1: yeah it's fine this episode this episode keeps making these tonal shifts between like dark creepy murder story and then just like very horny
0: yeah there's something about Craig and Gina that I go back and forth between loving them and also being very bored of them. Um, and you know, there are parts of it where it's just like some of the domestic stuff I really enjoy where they're just like talking about whatever, where he's like talking about Mazatlan for some reason. Uh, and like, she's speaking a little bit of Spanish and, uh she's like, "Well, you're not spontaneous enough. Like real real people stuff." And then they do things and I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm sure they're going to get more interesting. Um but yeah, I don't know. The, the this episode's kind of it's a disappointing episode except for the next the next part which is Ooh, exciting.
1: Oh yeah. Uh Captain Thorpe shows up to his radio audition. And is the youngest by, what would you say, 70, 80 years? Uh, you mean oldest? Uh, yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> I have youngest written in my notes, and that's not right at all. Mm, nope. Yeah, he is the oldest by uh, probably 70, 80 years, um, by which I mean actually like 50 years, but still, like everyone else there is like punk teenager, and he's, you know, Captain Thorpe in his lifeguard uniform. Um, and he's kind of like eyeing the rest of the room when who should show up. But our favorite Australian lifeguard, Trevor. And Trevor has on an outfit that I love. Yes, I would wear that.
0: I would absolutely. I would love to wear that. It's not my normal style, but I would love it. The best way I can describe this is do you remember those little like in kindergarten? You'd have these like racing mat, like placemats. mats. Or like, it looks yeah. kind of like that. It looks like someone took a NASCAR placemat and made it into a shirt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. But a little bit of bowling shirt vibe, too. Yeah, a little bit of bowling shirt vibe. Uh, but he's cause he's
0: also got a, a he's got a collared shirt on top of a collared shirt. So, I mean, it's 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 a choice choice look. And then he's got a jacket with the collar. So, I mean, yeah, whatever. Uh He's just, he's just really into the dichotomy of callers there. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, Trevor makes fun of him, uh, for just being old. And there's this guy who sits next to captain Thorpe who asks, he asks if he's a bus driver, uh, and then also tells Trevor, Oh, killer accent, man. God save the queen. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, Which is a great line. Um, And then Thorpe says he's the most qualified person for the job. And that's because I assume he believes because he's the captain of the lifeguards that he should know and everything about the title shifts, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I tried to figure out was the guy next to Captain Thorpe had on this shirt that was just so fucking cool. I couldn't figure out what it was. It's this orange shirt. It looks like uh, some like album cover for like a Japanese punk band, uh, or something like that. I I just I couldn't necessarily figure it out. So it reminded me of the album cover of the band the Garo Garo Gagaga uh, album Tokyo Anal Dynamite, um, which is an album I don't recommend to anybody to listen to, unless they just really like noise, uh, because. It's 30 minutes of people signing like they're literally dying um, and then maybe shitting on themselves while dying. Um, It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, you're really selling me on it.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's all there on YouTube. It's 31 minutes uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's just some dudes walking in a line shitting and vomiting. Uh, It's great. Um, uh, there's also the best part about it is that the video on YouTube itself has another link on it where they had to re upload it for better quality. And I'm like, there's not really much better quality you need. Um, yeah. you know, uh, especially it's like, oh man, I really wanted to hear the song kill baby kill in better quality or Dutch wife, ABC or boys don't cry the cure or by the cure or, uh anal boxing you know just great great songs that um really benefited from higher quality noise yeah. uh but i want this shirt i want this shirt that's my point <laughs> this is all just a very long way to say i want this shirt and i need to find it
1: yeah it's i mean from what i remember it's a good shirt i wasn't really paying attention to it god I damn it been paying attention to a lot of this episode if i'm being honest. Uh, because it was boring. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. After we get done with that first part of the audition, um, which is like, it's like the sixth plot in this episode. It's too much. I just want to, like, I, I almost admire them for taking what would be the perfect setup for a bottle episode. There's a hurricane coming, everyone's trapped in headquarters, and instead making it An incomprehensibly large number of plots that are ultimately irrelevant and go nowhere. But they are resolved. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But also, I don't care. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, we get another quick shot of Garner. Uh, He's trying to radio for help on his walkie, uh, but there is no response. He's alive!
0: (laughs) But at the same time, like... He just does the same thing as before, which is he stumbles around. It's blurry. He tries to call for somebody. Mm-hmm. No one's there. And you're like, where did you get shot? Like, how, how are you doing this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. His plot. He it doesn't make sense where he got shot because it seems pretty bad considering he was immediately knocked out. Uh, oh, yeah. Then he's like up and walking and fighting later in this episode. So, you know. There's a there's a lot of writing decisions in this episode that were clearly motivated by a need to have certain characters in certain locations for the sake of the plot.
0: Uh, that or lust. Uh, that too. Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, next up, we've got a scene where Jill's in the first aid room. She's like reorganizing some of the supplies when cut guy sneaks up on her. And she, like, stands up and is surprised that, you know, he snuck up on her, which is creepy. Um, and then he's like, you sure do have a lot of nice things in this headquarters. And it's very weird. He also's like, wow, I didn't know they made
0: lifeguards who look as good as you. And she's like, <laughs> okay.
1: And then Jill, understandably, gets the fuck out of there. Um, and Vest Guy shows up, and finally we learn that Vest Guy's name is Dick, but I'm just gonna keep calling him Vest because I think it's funnier. Um, and the two of them argue for a little bit because Cut Guy thinks that Jill is on to them. Which he has no reason to believe it other than the fact that you're are creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he spends a lot of this episode clearly having been written as impulsive and trying his hardest to seem impulsive. Yep. Eh, uh. yeah. Um, we're back to, you know, Eddie, Craig, and Gina's place where Eddie and Shawnee are flirting. And uh, Shawnee tells a story about how she always thinks that rain is romantic because she had her first kiss with her high school, with this high school guy on a rainy day. And then they were an item for a little bit, but then he dumped her a few weeks later And then Eddie says that his first kiss was at 13, which makes him a late bloomer, which I'm not sure I agree with, but okay. Yeah, no, I was going to comment on that uh,
0: because that one's very weird where she's just like, fuck off, nerd. And I'm like, yeah, what? Like, uh, no, it's not really like you're 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 in middle school. I don't know. Again, again, I went to religious school and it was like, you're not even supposed to like have contact with each other but granted from other people i know i mean there's a lot of people who like i don't know like they lost their virginity in middle school but like there it was quite normal for people to have not had their first kiss in middle school
1: yeah absolutely like i think that it's pretty common at 13 to have not had your first kiss
0: yes yeah the 90s man in 90s. Well, 89, 89. 89,
1: that's true. That's true.
0: This is also one of the episodes where I like to point out Shawnee has just the best eyebrow game going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is uh, 90% eyebrow, and I think it's cool.
1: Yeah, no, I'm into it. It's
0: a good look. Uh, but then, so they talk, and then Shawnee gets up from her seat, sits down next to Eddie, and they kiss.
1: When Shawnee sits down next to Eddie, Eddie looks shocked he's
0: mortified
1: he cannot believe this is happening and i don't understand it like i get that he's written as kind of dense but like holy shit
0: yeah he's he's just a dweeb he's just a dweeb you know and it's funny because you know you see this guy here who looks he looks like if i know we've described billy warlock before but billy warlock has sort of started to like grow into the look he now looks like a mix of um Oh God! Who's the guy from Full House? Uh, Bob Saget. he looks like Bob Saget, yeah. mixed with the guy from who was the first guy in Blue's Clues. Um,
1: yeah,
0: because he's wearing the Blue's Clues shirt, basically. Oh, totally. Uh, and so they have one kiss, like one eh, little, little long peck, and then he's like, "Oh, that's that's great," and she just gets up and walks walks away, and he has that look of, "Oh shit." Yeah. I, did I do something wrong? Uh, and uh, no, you didn't, dude. But yep. it, it's just like a small scene. And we're like, that's great. You know what else I like? <laughs> Our murderer is attacking women.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's very weird. It's such there's so many abrupt tonal shifts in this episode. And it's yeah, it's bad.
0: So Jill tries to call i guess a main headquarters or something Mm -hmm. uh and then the knife guy basically attacks jill like pushes up against a wall tries to choke her puts her hand over her mouth uh craig comes by and stops him but then knife guy branches a gun and then dick comes in sorry vest guy he also (laughs) gets a gun and then they lead our motley crew, plus Sid and Henry, into a room and hold them hostage. Um, and then we get maybe actually the best line of the episode, which is Mitch asks, Is this a stick up? And Dick says, Yeah, that's right. We couldn't decide whether to rob a bank or a lifeguard station, you sand for brains.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that very,
0: good. very good line.
1: Yeah. The two criminals take everyone into the break room um which is important because later they will be in a very different room for seemingly no reason yep um but yeah, vest guy goes around and makes sure all the doors are locked, and then uh we cut back to Garner, who makes it to another locked door, which really, when you think about it is is true craft of filmmaking, you know, really just showing the parallels between their two stories.
0: Um, I think it represents how the heart of our young lovers is locked behind a wall that they need to unlock to truly express their feelings. Mm -hmm. That's how that works. This is, is.
1: (laughs) this is, this is
0: high art, French
1: cinema right here. Oh boy. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, Garner to continue this metaphor shoots the padlock a couple times, which breaks it, um, which is, Somehow continuing the metaphor, and...
0: You see, Morgan, a bullet is the the catalyst that launches you into discovering how to unlock the lock on your heart. One might even say that in Kingdom Hearts terminology, it is the Keyblade that unlocks the Kingdom Hearts. I only say that because I've watched like three videos about Kingdom Hearts in the last two days, but I've never (laughs) played any Kingdom Hearts games because... I don't want to. Uh, but I imagine this is what this game is about.
1: I'm actually surprised to learn you have not played them.
0: Uh, well, because when I was a kid, I didn't own any of the consoles that they came out on. I was uh, just always a Nintendo kid or I had PC games and I would emulate uh, SNES and then 64 and stuff. So I was playing all that. And then later on, I started to emulate PlayStation. But I, at, by the time I started emulating PlayStation games, it was already old. So, and I was like, mm, I don't want to do this. Like I, I was f- firmly like, I don't want Disney stuff in my game because I like everybody likes Disney, but I'm also like, eh, uh, and it's Disney plus Final Fantasy and I already have Final Fantasy. So why not? Yeah. Uh, so, so I just never got to it. But in college I did date a girl who was really, really into Kingdom Hearts and I remember me and our friend Joe and another guy went to, uh, this like, uh, went to Benaroya hall and they were doing a classical concert of video game music. And she sent me this text being like, you better tell me if they play any kingdom hearts music. <laughs> and I was like, and then what, <laughs> like, what, what do, what do I do if they do? And she just never responded. I was like, okay. um, Uh, But they did. And then I remember telling her, say play Kingdom Hearts, and she's like, which song? And I was like, I don't know. I don't play this game. (laughs) I didn't write down the names of the songs or something like that. And she was really disappointed in me. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm just a bad boyfriend. Uh, And uh, yeah, it didn't last much longer after that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know what they say. Mm. Once you can't identify... Kingdom Hearts music, that's the end of a relationship.
0: I thought you were going to be funnier than that.
1: I really did, too. I
0: thought
1: I was going to have a joke, so I started setting myself up for one, and then I super didn't have one.
0: That's the first time you've ever done that voice and haven't set it up for a joke. (laughs) And I'm honestly really, really sad.
1: (laughs) Hey, gotta be a first time for everything. Yeah, I guess so we are back in the headquarters where the two criminals have moved everyone to a more plot appropriate room which is the control tower mm-hmm. um, one of the lights on the switchboard lights up and Mitch is like oh someone's trying to call from one of the towers and vest guy is like well you better answer it because otherwise people will be suspicious um mm-hmm. and so Mitch picks up the phone instead of like, I don't know, vest guy picking it up or something. Their plan makes no sense. Miraculously, it's Garner. And Mitch manages to have a whole coded conversation with Garner where they convey a bunch of information and no one's the wiser. Um,
0: and, and It's not that much of a stretch given how little they say.
1: I guess that's fair. But like, you would think... At least Cut Guy would be suspicious. Like, literally, that's his one defining character <laughs> in this entire episode.
0: Well, he does cut him off. Eh?
1: Yeah. Eh? But Vest Guy is the one who does that. What? Is it? I Vest Guy was the one who hung up the phone, but I don't know. Again, by this point, I was, like, barely paying attention to the episode. Oh, you're right. It is Vest Guy. Dang. he has a
0: vested interest Uh, in cutting
1: him and cutting him off (laughs) i have now taken the puns for my own power (laughs) you've norded my puns i don't know if that's what nording really means it's not neither do i
0: i i technically if i think about it hard enough i can remember what nording means but i don't want to
1: yeah me either Um, the only other thing I found interesting in this scene is that after this phone call, Mitch is able to have a quote unquote secret conversation with Gina and Craig, where all three of them talk at full volume and no one hears them.
0: It's, uh, it's, they did a good roll. You know, they, they rolled and, uh, they got like a a 19.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, next we're back with Shawnee and Eddie, where Shawnee has changed into a pair of Eddie's sweats and Eddie is thirsty. Um, yes, he is building a fire and just kind of drooling over Shawnee, which I mean, fair. She is quite attractive, um, but he mentions that he's hungry and Shawnee says, oh, I'll go make you some food. And then he is like, mmm, grilled cheese sandwich and tomato soup, <laughs> which- <laughs> Kind of felt shitty to me. Yes. Hey, uh, Shawnee is offering to make you food from someone else's kitchen. You don't get to order. Like you accept the food and you are happy. Yep. And then they flirt a bunch more. Eddie puts on some disco and then they flirt some more in the kitchen and then they start making out and then we get a montage and oh boy, this montage. (laughs) Uh, So, I imagine you and I have very different songs. Yes. So, my song is a real song. Uh, This would be True Love by Glenn Frey. All
0: music is real.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But some of the music on your version of Baywatch, I don't think is.
0: Okay, that's fair.
1: (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I get True Love by Glenn Frey. So, you know, real just you know, late 70s, early 80s, smooth rock. It's uh, it's sure something. Uh,
0: before I tell you what mine is, I want you to describe what happens in this montage.
1: Oh, I would love nothing more. Um, we have a couple different kind of viewpoints during this montage. Um, the less interesting viewpoint is flashbacks of Shawnee and Eddie throughout the series but only two scenes, just different <laughs> angles from those two scenes. Um, and then the future part of the montage where uh, Shawnee is in what looks like a cross between like a nighty and a wedding dress. And Eddie is in a graphic T-shirt tucked into khakis with dress shoes as they run around the beach. Yep. Yeah, it's absolutely wild.
0: Now. Here's what I got. Ooh. So this is an original song. This is called Just One Kiss.
1: <laughs>
0: and it is by Taylor Bu or Bo, Beau, B-E-A-U, whatever. Mm-hmm. And here are your lyrics. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. We have known our greatest pride, but you said it before my eyes. I dream of you and me. Take on the road to make you see. Just one kiss and I cannot resist. And now you have my heart. Just one kiss and find a love like this and we'll never part. Just one kiss is all it took. Uh, oh, 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 baby.
1: <laughs> eh, eh.
0: Just one kiss.
1: That's it. Wow. It's kind of short. It sounds like a bad rip off of uh kiss on my list by Daryl Hall and John Oates. It, it kind of is. Uh,
0: I also hate it. Uh, yeah i I just it's not sounds pretty bad it's one of my less favorite or least favorite ones here uh now, what are the two scenes that they play for you that are from you know previous in the season? Wow I butchered that sentence so hey Morgan <laughs> say Morgan, what were the keep that in anyways, mm-hmm. so I can just say it again, hey Morgan, what were the two scenes? From previous episodes, they showed you in this montage.
1: So one of them was Shawnee not giving the keys to Eddie when he asks if he can drive the truck. And then the other one, I didn't recognize, but it's the two of them, like, hugging in front of a fire or something it's
0: from second wave so if you remember Uh, uh, whatever the guy's name is he throws a molotov cocktail into the tower and they're trying to escape and then they jump out there is a third scene it's very short which is shawnee looking up with the bruise on her face as eddie turns back and looks at her uh so I guess they picked all the scenes from episodes that involve them other than, you know, the actual good ones, you know? Um, yeah, but anyways, so they cut from this to Hobie and Alex, and they're watching old movies while eating popcorn on the floor.
1: Um, mm-hmm. uh,
0: and I, I, I need to read this part.
1: Oh, be my
0: guest. Because I transcribed it. I don't know if you did.
1: I have, I have the one line, um, I have the whole thing. Yes, please. So Hobie
0: then, and I think I texted you about this. So they're eating popcorn on the floor and there's thunder and it's scary. And Hobie just goes, this storm reminds me of the watermelon baby.
1: (laughs) 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 I was like, what? Yeah. And, and uh, she. I actually rewound that pet that part a couple of times because i refused to accept that the line he said was you know this storm reminds me of the watermelon baby (laughs) it's just
0: it's another uh, crocodile rabinowitz (laughs) like you know it's just like out of nowhere you're like what um and so he's, he's like warning her and he says, it's not, it's not pretty. Um, and she's like, okay, well I'm going to listen. So here's, here's the story. The watermelon baby lives in this old, scary, broken down house out in the woods. His mother kept in locked up in a root cellar. How come? Well, because he was half animal and half human. Okay, anyways, during a storm, you could hear the watermelon baby howling then thunder crashes. He hated thunder. So finally, during one storm, it got so bad his mother couldn't stand listening to him anymore. So she ran out into the rain and unlocked the cellar door. Then what? Well, then after all those years of being fed nothing but watermelon, he was waiting for her. He killed her? Yeah, then he ran out in the woods and was never seen again. Supposedly during a bad storm you can still hear him howling in the woods at night. Okay, what is the story?
1: Yeah. It's it's nothing. Like
0: it's did I, I have to wonder did Terry Irwin have like some bad experience with watermelons? Like
1: who who even
0: it was just even while drunk, who comes up with that? yeah anybody listening to this you just heard me read that and it makes no sense in context either uh and it's all just lead up to the power goes out and she asks him for a hug that's Mm -mm, it pretty much like i'm glad we have the watermelon baby i hope one day we get a fan art Or a a commissioned art of the Watermelon Baby.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I I, I want a poster of the Watermelon. I just want a picture out there in the world of the Watermelon Baby.
1: I also love that. So, like, you hear, okay, I'm going to tell you a ghost story about the Watermelon Baby. You assume Watermelon will feature more prominently than just, that's the only thing he was fed. Like, he should be, like, part Watermelon or something. (laughs) watermelon, you can't be part watermelon. Yeah you also can't be half human and half animal.
0: Yeah, you can't. Yeah. And in fact, there's more fiction of people being half animal, half human, as opposed to the half human, half watermelon fiction, which is just Steven Universe (laughs) and only Steven Universe.
1: But like, I wanted it to be like, oh, we found a watermelon and inside the watermelon was a weird baby. Like That would justify calling it the watermelon baby, not we fed this kid watermelon. It's not even,
0: I guess, yeah, all they did was feed him watermelon and he did nothing else but eat the watermelon. So he became the watermelon because you are what you eat.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So obviously this episode is going to be going to be titled, This Reminds You of the Watermelon Baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It very well may. Next up, we're back at the headquarters. Uh, Storm starts knocking out the windows of the control tower. um, And Craig uses this as an excuse to jump cut guy. Uh, But vest guy pulls the gun and then Craig backs off.
0: There's right before that you missed is I also sent you this clip. I'm going to try and do this. Me, 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 me. So Frank delivers a very funny line, which he just goes gonna take a look downstairs (laughs) um which it's it's very odd it's you gotta appreciate the little things in this episode because nothing happens um Mm -hmm. you know and then after this we cut back to trevor and captain thorpe
1: yeah we're back at the audition and we see trevor come out of the audition room and he says that oh they really liked me and then thorpe is like I forget exactly how he gets onto it, but he's like, "You know, I used to be a competitive surfer, and I even surfed in Australia, and he like mentions the surfer that he surfed against, and Trevor's like, "Oh shit, that was my idol growing up, And then the two of them bond and reminisce about surfing.:
0: And the Tokyo anal Dynamite shirt guy uh, <laughs> from earlier is like, "I wouldn't believe him, man. This guy said he was a lifeguard. Yeah. So that's that's the payoff for that. Yeah. Well, it's not the not the full payoff, There's another payoff. But now Garner has a gun again and he's at the HQ. Mhm. Uh and so then I guess Dick takes sorry. Vest guy <laughs> takes Jill to investigate something and Garner's there and he fights Garner
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: they they all hear it. So then knife guy takes Mitch to go investigate and then Garner shoots Knife Guy.
1: Yep. This this sequence takes five minutes, six minutes. Um, yeah. And that description was more interesting than the entire thing. Yep. Yeah. So eventually, yeah, Garner ends up shooting Vest Guy after beating up Cut Guy again with a bullet wound. Um, right. And then Jill and Mitch carry Garner to the first aid station, and that's the end of that plot line. Yeah. Um, Or we assume the first aid station. We don't actually see where they're going, but like, where else would they be going? Uh, to the casino. (laughs) Just got to take advantage of all this good luck they've been having. Uh, Uh, yep. Our, our penultimate scene, Hobie and Alex are watching TV when Alex's mom shows up. And this is where we finally learn her name again with an, a minute and a half left in the episode. Um, Because Hobie flirts with her a little bit and is like, Alex, I had such a great time and I hope you did, too. And she's like, I did. And then they kiss and it's very cute. And then. Wait, wait, let's 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 not let's not
0: underplay it here. What he what happens is he says, hey, being with you today was great and I think you're great. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Too bad he didn't say that to his last girlfriend a few episodes ago.
1: I mean, I get it. When you're 12, emotions are hard. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, honestly, even when you're 26, emotions are hard. Like, what the fuck am I talking about? (laughs) It it doesn't
0: get even easier even when you get to 29. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it. No, you're not. (laughs) Um, What I am looking forward to, though, is this final scene. Um, Eddie wakes up cuddling Shawnee on some sort of what looks incredibly uncomfortable because the two of them are on the floor but like they're on their sides and they're propped at like a 45 degree angle on a like blanket or a rug or something um and would they have a couch right there why are they not just yeah. sitting on the goddamn couch or a bed which they also have like
0: cuz that's not in front of a fire
1: that's true that's true um but yeah he he wakes up and Here's Captain Thorpe's voice on the radio. Um, and he leans in and kisses Shawnee's cheek and then goes back to sleep as the credits roll. Yeah. This was a pretty nothing of an episode, I gotta say.
0: Yeah, this is, um, somehow it was more boring than Heatwave. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because there were no, there were no real stakes. Like, yes, we had the two criminals with, you know, all the hostages and everything, but nothing bad was ever actually going to happen to any of them.
0: Right. Agreed. Yeah. Well, I mean, Craig did get pistol whipped but other than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like all of the all of the interpersonal drama that could have been interesting, like the Craig and Gina argument is just so nothing and gets immediately resolved. Like, Right. Literally the next time we see Gina and Craig together, it's as if nothing ever happened and they're fine, which I mean, I guess makes sense if you're in a like, you know, marriage and you're both like, okay, whatever. We had a stupid argument, but it just like it's just not interesting to watch.
0: No, it's not. I I feel like Terry Irwin really shit the bed on this one.
1: Mm hmm. We've we've been on a pretty good run of interesting episodes so I suppose we were due for <laughs> this. It's just the Baywatch curse. <laughs> As you mentioned to me
0: later day, it seems most Baywatch podcasts of which there are two other mm-hmm. ones and then there's one vod cast sort of. Mm-hmm. It's a YouTube review series that's very short called Baywatching. Um and because that was already taken, we did not call ourselves Baywatching. Yep. Um, uh, but I like I like Baywatch rookie school instead. No, same. Everyone stops everyone except Baywatching stops at season three. So maybe the curse just sticks with you. And maybe the woman behind Baywatching is the only one who could stand it until us. Could be. Uh, who knows, but we have to get through it because otherwise, how are we going to get to the wrestling episode yep. uh, th- that we're going to make three hours long? Uh, <laughs> Cause I'm going to go into every single bit of detail. Um, yeah. So for this episode on our official rating scale, where a one is you're walking through a muddy beach and each step you take there's just twigs there going through your foot just very uncomfortable very very uncomfortable uh and 10 is sniffing Mitch's abs where
1: would you rate it i would put this at like a 4 it's not offensive but it's just boring like just nothing happens um i think i think to give it a give it a little more flavor i would call it Um, the sensation of making a bunch of shortcuts to Officer Garner over and over again, where he makes a tiny bit more movement each time and you could have condensed it all into one shot and had any actual real narrative tension that something bad might have actually happened to him.
0: Yeah, I think this episode is a three. And I would say that is equivalent to the feeling that you get when different music players have different shortcut keys for pausing (laughs) um where some are control p some are space some are s some are control alt p and then you just get really annoyed that they don't all work and some it's like i have a keyboard that just has a function that that stops it and you you can use the windows 10 like pop up module uh that just you're like oh play or skip track and it shows you a little album art but some music players can't handle that that feed of data so it's not really handled by it and then it it double plays itself so now you have your classic bobby caldwell song uh now i'm already forgetting which classic bobby caldwell song i'm even talking about uh it's uh what you would do for love uh you have that playing three times on top of itself and it's still (laughs) a smooth song but you're this time you're just like that's too much bobby i need Two less Bobby. And, uh, yeah, that's what I would describe that as. It's just, it's, it's not, you're not going to be hurt from it, but it is annoying and an inconvenience. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, it's just, it's not necessarily good.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just, it's such a filler episode.
0: It is. Uh, now our next episode is called The Reunion, um, and as usual, I would like to read a plot description uh, mm-hmm. from IMDb and the Baywatch wiki. Because they usually have very different styles in which they tell us what happens. Um, as we remember with the Night Puncher. Sorry.
1: The Night Puncher episode. <laughs> uh,
0: which, God, I hope we get more Night Puncher. We're not going to because he's...
1: I know, but wouldn't it be nice?
0: Yes, it would be, Brian Wilson. It would be nice. <laughs> so, the IMDb description is... Mitch hooks up with his and Craig's old flame, which makes Craig jealous. Eddie buys a nice car, cheaply, and only realizes that he was swindled when he gets arrested for driving the car. Now the Baywatch Wiki's description is, Mitch attends his high school reunion and meets a classmate that stirs up his old feelings. Frustrated at having no car... Eddie buys one at an extremely low price from a buddy, but quickly discovers the only reason why the car was... uh, discovers the reason why the car was so low. Now, there's a bit of trivia here, which I actually think is interesting trivia that Baywatch Wiki tells us, which says, this is the first time Mitch goes to his high school reunion. He goes again in season two episodes... season two's episode, Reunion. So this is the reunion, and that one in season two is just called Reunion.
1: Well, they... Uh, Ran out of ideas real fast. Huh? <laughs> they could
0: they couldn't even say reunion <laughs> part two. They were just like drop the the. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. It's it's too possessive. We don't need we don't need a possessive signifier before this word. It's just reunion as a statement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, a, a reunion of the hearts. A reunion of the minds. A reunion of what was once there but is now lost. A reunion of. How the water brings us closer to Mother Terra, Gaia, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, how the sand beneath our feet allows us to connect, as they would say. Okay, so you know what? I, I know we haven't <laughs> done one of these in a while. It's time for our Torah corner. Ooh. Uh, which is, Morgan, you know about the 10 plagues, right?
1: Uh, I know a little bit. You know of them? Yeah. Okay, it's like it's like frogs and lotus or something. Yeah, so
0: I I don't actually remember the order in English. I only remember the order in Hebrew. So I'm not going to do that, Um, and uh, that's because of saying it over and over for years over Passover. But uh, what happens before the plagues come is that Moses has a standoff with the Pharaoh. Uh, So it's him and his brother Aaron. They go up to the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh has his magicians and they're there at the court. And so Moses is like, "Okay, well, I'm going to show you that I have God on my side. So Moses traditionally has or is depicted as having a staff. Right. He's like an old man with a beard. Who's like maybe balding? Looks like he should be in uh, like a Little Caesars commercial, and has a staff.
1: Sure. And in, in terms of staff, we talking like butler, maid. No, we're talking. Oh, you don't
0: have <laughs> Dragon Ball context. Oh God. Like, if anybody who's watched Dragon Ball, it's the Master Roshi staff. It's a giant wooden thing with a giant like macealer club. Macealer isn't a word. It's a word I just made up mace-like club at the top so it's a very thick top down wooden staff or it could just be like a uh like a little miss bo peep staff mm-hmm. uh you know who knows the point is it's a staff it's not a bow staff it's mm-hmm. just like a staff or a walking stick i don't know we're getting too into it <laughs> what happens is he has the staff and he throws it onto the ground and it turns into a snake uh and then Pharaoh throws down his or has his magicians throw down their staves and they also turn into snakes. But God's staff, aka Moses' staff, eats the other snakes. Uh so his staff wins. Now, they mention this in the Torah, but you're like, how the hell did the did Pharaoh's magicians you know, make things turn into snakes. Like I get it. God did it. Okay, sure, that makes sense. If if that's what you believe would actually happen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so there's commentary, uh, and my bar mitzvah portion was the part of the Torah. It's so uh, that everything's divided up into what's called a Parsha and there's like 14, I think per book. So Exodus, Genesis, so on and so forth. Um, mine was the second of Exodus. And that is where the first seven of the 10 plagues happen. It's basically Moses, like the first portion, the first Parsha is Moses gets born. He gets put into the the Nile river. He drifts off and he, he grows up and becomes an adult. By the time that he, is, um, he meets Pharaoh, he's about uh, 78 or 80 years old uh, because the Jews wander for 40 years in the desert and he dies at 120 years old. So he's about like 80 years old when he encounters the Pharaoh. So in this commentary, they mentioned that the magicians would wear, they wouldn't wear sandals because they would have their bare feet touching the ground because the closer their body is supplanted to the ground, it means the more access they have to, uh, I guess, uh, satanic divination. It's not satanic because Satan doesn't exist in Judaism. It's just the, like the,
1: black magic basically sure. that's what that's what they call it uh so i i do have one question um do vibram five fingers count
0: uh, i i don't think i know what you're talking about
1: the toe shoes oh
0: no 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 no, <laughs> no they had to be barefoot they had to be barefoot They had to be, you can't have anything that helps you have a better run. You know, you can't have those, right? Because it's going to be like trying to tickle your metaphorical toes. And it's like, oh, there's something in there. I can't (laughs) tickle them. You know, Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's got very weird, Um, which is really weird. So like, they're like, yeah, they used, you know, evil magic, which I remember reading that and being like, hey, rabbi, there's, there's. Evil magic. He's like, don't worry about it. And I was like, but like, there's magic. He's like, don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, but like, you can't just like leave me hanging here, right? Like, there's like, there's evil. Like, one, how can I get this evil magic? Yeah. Two, how can I get this non satanic evil magic? Um, it's not even necessarily evil magic. It's just like dark magic. Um, so there's that. Now, years, a few years went by. Actually, not a few years, maybe a few months uh, went by Um, because I was in middle school. I was in seventh grade when I had my bar mitzvah. And then we are reading about um, the first king of Israel. Uh, I guess in English, he's Samuel. I think that's what his name is. Uh, Again, I don't know the English names for Bible things. Uh, So he at one point is very worried about his reign as king. So he does this blasphemous thing and he goes and visits a necromancer and this is Canon. This is like full on all right, ca- Canon stuff. Uh, n- and it feels like it's going full kayfabe here, <laughs> but he, he goes and visits a necromancer who tells him, uh, about the existence of King David, that King David will exist. And then Samuel was like, I got to kill this guy so I can continue to be King because he is also one uh, he's a prophet and he's a king uh, so he's like, I'm a prophet of God and I'm a king I, I like I can't have this guy who's a king who's not a prophet like I'm the only one who could really understand what God wants so he visits the necromancer uh, and I remember as a kid hearing the story and being like so like the king of of the Jews, goes into a tent and out pops like a lich demon maybe
1: like that sounds metal as hell
0: i know right and i'm like god has not listened to the music that i want so clearly i'm i'm not down with god <laughs> uh uh this got really controversial right there <laughs> uh, like i did not intend that uh uh and so like this lich demon pops out and it's like you must kill the guy named David. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, that's pretty metal. That's pretty cool. I like this story. Yeah. Now, another story for you related to this same thing mm-hmm. is just how metal the kings of, of, of the Jews were, uh, which is the story of how David died. There's this story. It, it, it got turned into a kid's story, but the idea is, from it came from like basically in Judaism, you would create all these stories. It's called a midrash, which is like think of it as fan fiction, it's fan fiction <laughs> for the Torah, but it really is
1: browsing, browsing AO3 on the Torah tag. Uh, yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> but back then, they didn't have a good filtering system, mm. so it was just you know, it was kind of like dig light. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a story of. Uh, King David was just like the best dude, like the best guy. Couldn't get a guy that's a better dude than the dude Meister himself, King David. Mm -hmm. And he
1: he can't find a better man.
0: (laughs) Yes, you could say that, but I won't. (laughs) And so he spent all of his time studying Torah. And if you're studying Torah, God can't kill you. So, uh, that is a fact don't argue that that
1: is a fact. Okay.
0: So he spent all of his time studying Torah. So uh God tried to send um uh like a demon to fight him uh or like sort of a demon. He they're very non-specific. Sometimes the archangel Michael is uh a demon and sometimes he's just like death. Uh, and it's it, it, it's it's never really specific. Um, so he tries to send it down, and what happens is that uh, one apparently King David, while just studying, just punches him in the eye, <laughs> and he's just like "ow" and leaves. Uh, and God is like, I can't fucking get this guy stop studying the thing i want everybody to spend all their time studying but i just need to get this guy out because he's fucking old man like he's just so old so what he does is he brainwashes a kid to throw a rock through a window and david gets up and stops studying torah long enough for god to kill him and that's it huh that's the first story
1: i feel like there's an obvious loophole here which is you just claim you're doing like independent study and then boom you can't die <laughs> that's the, but he knows god knows so that's the adult story
0: now the kid's <laughs> story the kid's story is called uh it's something called like god's kiss or something uh, basically the story is that it's time for king david to die uh and david is just really doesn't want to go uh he pulls a real david Tennant at the end of doctor who uh was just like <laughs> i'll but, but Russell, like, I want you to keep riding me in. I want to see all my friends and, and go see the waters of Mars. Uh, and I'm really good at this, right? You don't have to turn me into Matt Smith, the, the most
1: white man possible. I kind of liked Matt Smith as the doctor, if I'm being honest. I, I,
0: I, I liked Matt Smith. I didn't like as much as Peter Capaldi, but I liked Matt
1: Smith. I never got uh, into Peter Capaldi, honestly. I tried. His- I only watched, like, the first three episodes he was in. the.
0: Oh, no, no. Oh, oh, no. Oh, you, you skipped the first season. Watch the other two. Okay. Cause the, fir- the first season is him, For story purposes, it's him being like, "I'm very confused because of the whole thing." It's like, "Wait, you got an extra regeneration?" Like, yeah. So it's like playing with him, and and so. But then season two, like he he starts to like slowly realize like who he is, Uh, and it just becomes very good. And then he has an episode near the end of his time. It's a solo episode. It's only him. Interesting, and it's and it is, uh, one of the best episodes of television i've ever seen uh and that's saying something because doctor who is normally just like fun it's not like great yeah uh this is like legit like wow he should get an emmy for that it's very good i'll like you don't need the context for it like you can go into the episode and just be like huh uh and it, it's self it, it's 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 not self-contained. It leads into other story afterwards, but you don't need any to know anything previously. Um, I'll find it for you. I'll send it to you. Cool. Uh, if anybody's watched Doctor Who, they know which episode I'm talking about because it's the only one like it.
1: Anyways. What's the what's the name of the episode just for folks listening?
0: Okay. Well, the episode is called, oh God. Uh, <laughs> this episode is. is series nine, episode 11. So it's the second to last season of uh, Capaldi's run.
1: So what you're, what you're telling me is that it's nine 11 and you forgot. I'm very disappointed.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) It's not expecting that. Um, and the episode is called heaven sent. Mm. Uh, it's very, very good. I don't want to spoil anything that happens in it other than the fact that it's just him. Um, and it's, it's it's so—I I, I would recommend anybody to watch it, even if you've never watched Doctor Who. Like, it's going to be kind of weird if you've never watched Doctor Who and just start watching that. Uh, but I think if you've ever watched an episode of Doctor Who, you should watch that, that episode. So watch Heaven Sent. Now, anyways, back to King David. Mm-hmm. So he's very, very uh, David Tennant-esque, and he's like, I don't want to go. So what happens is God again sends the Archangel Michael— the, arch, blah, blah, blah. the archangel, Michael, and is like, get him, cut him. Or And uh, again, David punches him in the face and he's like, ow, my eye. Uh, <laughs> and then God sends like a ram who's just like, go kill him. Uh, and David's like, uh-uh. I'm going to kill that ram. So he kills the ram. And God's like, oh, God, what, what do I do? Like, I just send things out to him? He keeps sending things out to him. And every time David's like, ha-ha, I've avoided you, even though I'm I'm like a octogenarian plus. <laughs> uh, and God's like, okay, enough of this bullshit. So he does this. He sends all the angels down and, ha- and ties them and have, has them hold him down. And then God, this is, a, again, a children's book, yet... Also, kind of blasphemous uh, because God doesn't necessarily have a human form, but whatever. God comes down in the image or the face of uh, of a of a human and kisses David on the mouth, thus Dementor sucking out his soul mm. uh, and that kills him. Uh, and it's supposed to be like, "Wow, you're like my, my favorite person, so I came down personally to kill you." that's how much I love you. And I remember reading as a kid and being like, is this supposed to make me feel better. Like, <laughs> like God doesn't love me enough to like personally kill me with a kiss. Like, yeah. Like what is that? What does that do for my confidence? I can never live up to this. Like, I'm just going to live the rest of my life being like, I could never live up to the King. Uh, not even the, I can't even live up to the burger King, much <laughs> less the King of the Jews. Like, you're asking a lot of me, and uh, that is why I ended up the flawed person I am today.
1: I feel like there's got to be at least one pop culture king you could live up to, but I don't have an idea of who that would be.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, like the kings of comedy, like Carlos Ben or some <laughs> shit. Uh, I, I, I could live up to the kings of comedy. I'm yes. pretty sure I could do that. Oh, yeah. Or like um or the guy on the bachelor who calls himself the box king Ugh. i could i i could top that guy yeah. um uh now i could not top any of the wrestlers who have won the king of the ring who then get to then establish themselves as having the prefix name king um except for one guy king barrett who then became emperor barrett because he teamed up with a guy named stardust and then stardust claimed that King Barrett was now the emperor of the universe, Mm. uh, which is very great. So now he had his staff and cape and called himself Emperor Barrett, king and leader of the universe. And then he lost every match.
1: It's always very funny to me as someone who is never particularly into comics or wrestling, how much like at least stereotypically you think of those two fan bases as being groups of people that would hate each other. But they're the same shit. Like there are so many
0: cases of, they made wrestling gimmicks based off of comic books. So there's this famous gimmick, uh, Man. Hmm. <laughs> And then there's the, the teenage, not ninja, but ninja turtles. <laughs> um, and then there's glacier who may or may not look like sub zero. Um, I mean, not a comic book, but still a video game. Um, I mean I mean wrestling is just the the nerdy I my ex always used to say uh it's like the fifth nerd pillar. It really kind of is, yeah. because it's so exceptionally it's sport, but it's like the sport for people who don't like sports. Mm-hmm. Kind of like kind of like baseball. Um <laughs> or more accurately, kind of like blaze ball. Yes. But uh, it's it's really is the sport for people who also are just huge nerds and nobody likes like them. (laughs) So they're just like really into wrestling. And that's why I still like it, because everybody there is is either like a huge jock or just like. Has have some strong opinions about which Final Fantasy protagonist is best, it, which, by the way, they just announced the new Final Fantasy protagonist's uh, name is Clive. Um, and I'm like, that's dumb. It's Clive Rosefield. <laughs> and I'm like, you made him a Jew? Um, oh, why would you do this to us? We didn't ask for this. But yeah, wow, this was quite the tangent.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that was our Torah corner. Mm -hmm. It's, it started with the Torah ended with final fantasy as all good Torah portions do.
1: Oh yeah.
0: So Morgan, do you have anything else to say about this episode?
1: No, I mean, it's kind of (laughs) like I said earlier, it's a, it's a nothing episode. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, I'm hoping next week is better. Um, I actually know that next week is at least a little bit better because I accidentally started watching that episode instead of this one. um, and it's it's at least slightly more interesting um, from the thirteen minutes that I saw of it, but yeah, I mean, not a not a whole lot else to talk about with this episode from me. How about you? Uh, I mean, not not
0: really. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> all right.
1: Well, then I guess the only thing left to say is thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrapp.
0: And I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T, S-N-I-T. But if you follow me, just remember, I mainly post about wrestling, so just unfollow immediately. (laughs) Or stay followed and wait till I tweet about something not about wrestling and then be amazed. Like the other day when I posted a pic of the gourmet, uh... Crunch wrap supreme that Morgan and I had. Oh
1: man, that thing was so good. Uh, was so good.
0: It was good, but it was too gourmet. And I, I just want I just want my really shitty Taco Bell beef and really shitty Taco Bell iceberg lettuce sometimes. Yeah. And that was really good. But sometimes, you know sometimes you just wanna go, did I eat out of a toxic waste dump today? Or did I eat from Taco <laughs> Bell? And you just don't want to know the answer to that question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: But anyways,
1: assuming you all managed to survive eating your various uh, toxic waste dumps, we'll see y'all next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. Ugh. Ugh. (laughs)